passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. And hello, it's rewind a raw John Pollock waiting with you and. Way, this podcast, it's going to be like Vincent Van Gogh. I think there's going to be a lot of little thoughts that come together that are going to form one giant podcast by the end that will be perfect for a great listening experience on Tuesday. Well, just drag that out from your brain. Are you a big Van Gogh fan? I Listen, it's uh, fan, I'm always on the Van Gogh. Van Gogh. I love Van Gogh. Right. How are you? Doing okay, John. Yeah. Sorry, you're throwing me off by not having a hat on. It's very I jarring. Know. Yeah, why not? You know, I figure so, it's like how you know. I'm, I'm like, it's been four months since I've had a haircut. Um, just gotta let it fly, man. This is natural, and everybody. Four can months see since it. you got a haircut. How did you get your last haircut? I actually went went out. Oh, you went to one. To okay. One. Yeah, back when back when numbers were, I guess, a little bit lower and a bit more reasonable. Uh, L- yeah. Living life on the wild side by going to get a haircut. It was, uh, you know, a rare occurrence this year getting a real haircut. So I miss it. Um, but, uh, you know, whatever. We get used to it. It's just, come on. Who cares about our appearances? I'm wearing my sweatpants. It's just like, we've just really let ourselves go at this point. Well, we are, uh, this will not be a COVID-free podcast. I'm going to warn everyone right off the bat. I know everyone's sick of it, but guess what? It was not a COVID-free edition of WWE Raw. So no, I mean, it was, it was one of the more uh, COVID, uh, imp- how, how would I, I phrase it? Like, acknowledging that this thing exists oh yeah yeah like, was this the first was this the first time seriously that might COVID... have been the first that the words covet the word COVID 19 was was uttered on this show i have to imagine it dropped in there somewhere but i sure as hell can't think of it at least certainly not by a performer and not in in relation to a performer you know being COVID positive I liked what they did w- with Drew. Like, it wasn't the most, like, profound speech or anything, but it was just, like, a nice PSA. Hey, I got it. If it can happen to me, it can happen to you. Wear your mask. Be socially distant. Like, I thought, like, that was more than I expected from uh, watching, where it's almost been, like, when the show begins, the outside world does not exist in this program. It was the most refreshing, you know, honest, I think, way that they've been treating this virus the entire time. Um, going from not even acknowledging it whatsoever, not even daring to call it by its name to your top performer getting it and then basically telling your audience, hey, don't be me. You know, I'm one of the lucky ones who doesn't have any symptoms. 
Uh, we have to work. It's it's really, I think, you know, trying their best to turn a negative into a positive. I really liked what they did with Drew as well in that particular segment. But, um, do you, you know, there's got to be so much to this story than just what we saw on TV. Well, yeah. I mean, we can start with the news. And that was the big thing on Monday was Monday afternoon, WWE putting out an extremely brief statement that Drew McIntyre had tested positive for COVID-19 and he was in quarantine and that was the extent of it. And he would address uh, the audience on raw tonight. It was a very brief acknowledgement of it that way. And I just recap there of how it was acknowledged and, and that's all we know. And on the surface, you look at it and you would think like, let's say, cause we don't know a timetable of when they learned about this, but let's say the absolute latest, they found out this morning about mm -hmm. this and got the news out right away. You would go back, and I think certainly it's who has this person been in contact with. Now, there's always the possibility that maybe Drew feels, hey, I was around someone over the weekend. They were positive. I'm sure that's where I got it from. Okay, maybe. But at the same time, I mean, we saw him in a lot of segments last week and with a lot of people that were on tonight's show. I mean, he did a 20-minute match with Keith Lee. He did the segment with Goldberg. He did the segment with Hogan and Jimmy Hart with Sheamus. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at it from there. Like what is the contact tracing protocol? And that's something we don't know. Mm -hmm, absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a, a big problem when you're talking about a star performer, somebody who was in multiple segments last week, though we did, of course, you know, see Seamus, we saw Keith Lee on tonight's episode. Um, you know, of course, and they're going ahead with the Goldberg match. I mean, they're, they made that very clear that that's happening at, at the rumble. Yep, we are, what, 20 days away? Something like that? Yes, three weeks. Three weeks. So, um, you know, like, uh, he, he says he doesn't have any symptoms. You would assume that a man, you know, in his in his physical, um, I don't know, health would be able to make it through in time for, for the Rumble. And I'm sure they're confident in that as well. Yeah, and I think we should also note that um, Sean Ross Sapp at Fightful reported on Monday um, that, you know, this... This latest uh, wave, I guess you can say, like it has affected people uh, at Raw, SmackDown, AEW, Impact. Um, you know, we don't we don't know numbers, we, but it seems like this is something where, I mean, this is going to happen every every so often. And you know, coming out of the holidays, I can't say this is surprising news that you know the world at large is feeling the effects of the holidays, and wrestlers are very much part of that, and that's. You know, when you have roster members that hang out with one another, I can't, I can't say this is all that surprising. No, not at all. Like across the world. I mean, I think this was expected. Like people, very tough for people to show discipline when it comes to the holidays and families and things like that. And uh, yeah, we're, you know, it's about the timetable and wrestling. I think being a, the, the wrestlers being as close as they are outside between companies, it's, it's, you know, when, when there's an outbreak one in one workplace, I mean, that can very easily travel to the others as well. Uh, we also had over the weekend, Nick Jackson noting that he had a very bad case of COVID back in early September. If you remember, he was off TV for about a month and a half after the all out pay-per-view didn't come back until around the third week of October. He said he was bedridden for three weeks for two and a half months. He couldn't taste or smell uh, his body broke out in hives and, and it took him a while uh, to get his cardio back. So 
I mean, we look at some of these athletes that have had it and just think that, you know, for some it'll be, you know, it'll be two weeks and they're healthy and they'll get through it. And, you know, there are there are lingering effects to this as well. And, you know, Nick Jackson outlining, you know, his his conditioning was greatly affected by by this as well. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, again, like we're talking about covid affecting you know um very very healthy people um very young people typically but the bigger concern of course is the possible spread to people who aren't so healthy and people who aren't so lucky people with compromised immune systems like a like a kyle o'reilly or a roman reigns you know uh or, or how about these, a rick flair or rick flair you know who was on today's show and involved in an angle too it's like uh they must really trust whatever testing that they're, that they're doing in order to, you know, feel this confident, but knowing that like, you know, you have an active performer from last week getting, getting sick with, with this thing. Um, do you feel that if, if you were in a scenario like this way and you were getting tested every week and you're getting, or, or every other week, depending on where you are, where you're working for, but every week, every other week you're getting, you know, false test after false test, you're, you're negative you're around people that are also getting this. Does that put you into a bit of a, a false sense of security that I'm I'm getting tested every week and that I'm going to have a bit more latitude with with, with myself, given like who I'm around? Like I'm just looking at the fact of like all this this testing that is going on. Does that give these per- performers maybe extra confidence when it comes to just getting together with other people on rosters and stuff? And that the testing is, hey, if I'm negative, that means there's no way I could have it. Possibly, you know, it's, you know, logically, I suppose if somebody got tested at work and then didn't really go anywhere but home, um, they would feel a sense of extra confidence. But I, I would hope really, you know, people exercise um, maybe enough caution beyond that to know that you can catch this even if you are very careful with it. But um, I don't know. Part of my feeling is that regardless of whether or not people were testing, they were probably still going to get together during the holidays. Unfortunately, some other uh, quick news and notes uh, before we get into raw, the uh, the long ongoing suit between Jeff Jarrett and Anthem Sports and Entertainment looks to be over Um, on Friday. uh, They told a Tennessee federal judge that they have reached a settlement over this whole uh, trademark issue. And it looks like, you know, barring any unforeseen issues that, uh, Settlement is reached and the two sides will go their separate ways. So that this has been lingering for a long time. It looks like uh, we finally got some a finality to to that ongoing suit. Is this is this over the GFW? Yes, yes. Stuff? This was that case okay. that has been you know prolonged just forever and just seemed to be yeah just kept going on and on and looks like you know it was probably something that all this time let's just reach a settlement and and walk away from it. I didn't even know that it was still happening. Well, it, it was there in the background. I don't know if we'll get a WWE untold about this one. The the GFW, maybe a GFW one night stand. Listen, you could you could probably put out a whole chronology of Jeff Jarrett untolds, which would be some fascinating stories about this man and his mm-hmm. his career and where he has ended up. Uh, it would be fascinating. Uh, definitely a mm-hmm. documentary subject. 
Friday Night SmackDown uh, this past weekend did 2,120,000 viewers on Fox, 0.56 in the demo. So they were behind the programming on ABC and CBS, uh, but they were number three in adults, 18 to 34, uh, up a bit from the prior week. Uh, And then in Canada, they were the number two sports program behind the uh, Toronto Raptors and Sacramento Kings. They did 161,900 viewers and just over 74,000 in the 25 to 54 demo. So a, yeah, an an average SmackDown figure as they are uh, building up for the Royal Rumble and around this, um, I guess the next uh, couple of weeks we will see like, is there like the big thing on SmackDown now is this Adam Pierce story. Hmm. Yeah. At least for the time being. Yeah. We'll we'll see if that that gains any sort of traction. I mean, I think we. It'll be interesting to see if you know things pick up at all during quote unquote the road to WrestleMania. You know, this is like you know by the WWE standards, sort of like their playoff season. Do you think things will improve? Yeah, I think we'll get the first sign of that next week because tonight they were going against that massive. Uh, Alabama Ohio State uh, college uh, football national championship game. So. That thing is going to be gigantic. So next week, they will have a clear indication of what is Raw going to do without football competition of any sort. And I, I think like you can expect like the next couple of weeks, those numbers to be what you could expect through WrestleMania. And are they going to get the traditional, you know, small increase that they usually get after football? But these are kind of unprecedented times where it's not your traditional WWE programming. And I... I think the Thunderdome has helped, uh, but I, I don't know if it's one where if you have not, if you are someone that at the end of the summer tuned out of wrestling or had not been watching and you've been watching football all season long and you come back, I don't know if the Thunderdome is necessarily grabbing you or not. It's certainly better than the alternative at the Performance Center, but we're still not at, I would say, ideal environments for WWE programming. It, it's hard to expect, you know, any sort of artificial like setting to, to be able to replicate the energy of a live crowd. Um, I, I, you know, it has been an improvement and, and they're probably trying the best that they really can, you know, get, with their resources. Maybe tonight. I mean, maybe tonight sparked something. I mean, their, um, their <laughs> eyes were, uh, lit up with what they had been missing in those closing minutes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. F- fire clearly, I think is like, you know, a, a new tactic that they've been trying quite a lot. Fire draws clearly. Yeah. Man, this was uh, unexpected today, Way. There's been a hole, I think, in everybody that's been following wrestling over the last year, and that has been George Barrios. Where yes. where art thou, George Barrios? <laughs> Him and Michelle Wilson, a year after their removal as co-presidents of WWE, they have launched ISOs Capital Management. The ISOs co-founders plan to invest in businesses that fit their thesis of mega trends shaping the industry and provide value creation through brand growth, digital transformation, and globalization. ISOs will target early growth and late stage media, entertainment, and sports companies and will consider a variety of investment vehicles, which I swear to God, Way has used that line on me so many times uh, when describing us. But this is what everyone wants. It's I've waited for a George Barrios quote for a year, Way. I've missed this man. Global yeah. <laughs> global connectivity has unleashed unprecedented disruption. Why don't you keep count of the buzzwords? 
in content creation, distribution, and consumption. The COVID-19 pandemic has only accelerated these changes and requires a new strategic framework for success. Against this backdrop, Michelle and I see unique opportunities for growth and value creation across the media, entertainment, and sports, wait for it, ecosystem. Mm. That was one of his favorites. He loved his ecosystems. Ecosystem, yeah. It's so, like a, listen, it's like it's a whole nother language that they're speaking almost, you know. I'm um, going to say say up front, okay? This will this company will probably have little if anything to do with pro wrestling when there is an ISO's capital management press release or anything involving George Barrios. I will cover it. Oh, is that right? Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. I've missed okay. I've missed this guy. It was like there's only one George Barrios out there. Uh, you know, they, they were wrestling's kind of, uh, figures, uh, darlings for, for a time and very uh, important figures, like, yep. especially in these current television deals, like they were key people involved in that. And when they were let go last year, like their stock fell, it was something like $62 to like 48 overnight. And th- the stock has never gotten back to that Barrios Wilson pre-firing level. So they, they were very important, and when they were let go, it was seen as they did not have a clear plan in place when they were abruptly let out. And they were two of the people that – they were the public faces that were sent out to speak to all of the analysts and the key people uh, when, it, when it comes to writing about the company in the business world. So it was a, it was a very – at the beginning of the year, I thought that would be maybe the biggest story of the year. It was not quite, but it was still big. Yeah, not quite, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, now we hand them off to another industry and uh, another set of podcasts that can do their impressions. And uh, last thing here is uh, for Wednesday night, our lineups we have on AEW, uh, which they have put out a Road to special for, Darby Allen and Brian Cage for the TNT title, Miro versus Chuck Taylor, where if Chuck loses, he is Miro's young boy for 30 days or until the wedding. Serena Deeb versus Ty Conti for the NWA women's title. Kenny Omega and, quote, the elite in action, which they are heavily teasing will be Anderson and Gallows and not the Young Bucks. Jurassic Express against FTR. Eddie Kingston versus Pac. The Waiting Room with guest Cody Rhodes. The Inner Circles, New Year's Resolutions. And then NXT has two Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic opening round matches with Brizongo against Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. And Ever Rise versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. All right. Well, we shall see. Um, you know, probably a bit more of a normal ratings pattern this week. Um, yeah, I mean, it should. I, I would say, especially AEW, but um, perhaps NXT as well. A bit of a bounce back after last week's. Uh, certainly, a, w- a week you can throw out. <laughs> and schedule wise, we've got our big worst of twenty twenty show live Tuesday night at eight Eastern for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe and patrons. At up next, uh, you can all tune in live Tuesday night, eight Eastern. If you're a patron, you can also download the show right afterwards, and then it will be out free on Thursday. But the panel will assemble. We've got 16 categories to go through, and that is on Tuesday night. I still have to finish my list. So do I. But uh, yeah, that'll be. Uh, no, we'll get it done by tomorrow, eight o'clock Eastern time tomorrow. Join us live, everybody. If you're a patron of the Post Wrestling Cafe, that'll the show will be released for free into the public on Thursday. All right, and let us move on to Monday's edition of Raw from the Thunderdome. We had, this occurred on the 28th anniversary of Raw. Oh, that was today. Okay, interesting. 28 years ago, uh, Raw kicked off. 
And that means in two years we can we'll bring back all the legends, way for Raw Thirty. Oh boy, I can't wait! Awesome. And then they'll announce it's moving to four hours. Well, let's hope not. Uh, I, I might resign at that point. I'll be like, you know what? I'm too old for this shit. We'll have to split split the show up. <laughs> I'll do the first. Yeah, we'll break it up into hour blocks. They recapped Legends Night and all built around Orton dressing down the legends. So out comes the sheriff to start the show, Triple H. He is immediately interrupted by Randy. And he says, look, the office decided to show up tonight because Drew McIntyre couldn't. That baby got COVID, can't show up. <laughs> what what uh, what bizarre logic? Like you are, what, you wanted to get into a ring with this man in close proximity? Is that your argument? He should have showed up? Uh, well, I mean, he's... <laughs> I guess he's survived worse from The Fiend, so maybe he feels invincible. He's just using any excuse to call him out. Maybe he didn't know. Maybe he was not online, didn't know the reason why Drew wasn't there. He just saw that, oh, he's not here. Orton tells Paul that either I should be the last entrant in the Royal Rumble or you should hand me the title, which are quite the conclusions he's arrived at based on this uh, uh, night off for Drew. Hunter says you have to win the Rumble in order to get the the title. Hunter's been watching him the past year. The old Randy has come back. Everyone was questioning if you went too far. Not me. When you lit that match, Hunter was proud of him. That he lit the casket on fire and lit Bray on fire. I would have done the same thing. These two men bonded over murder. But the line that was crossed was kicking legends in the head. That is just, you know, (laughs) by lighting a man on fire, that's one thing. Concussions in this day and age, not cool, dude. (laughs) Isn't the man like three months late, six months late? Dude, this was an extreme delayed reaction. It's been months since he's punted a guy. You do feel, you know, like obviously this was everything had here came in very at the very much at the last minute and you had to position Hunter as sort of the defender of the legends and um kicking people in the head was really the last thing Randy did that was all that bad. Yeah, no one cares about the the night vision goggles attack. Like that was brushed over by flair last week. It wasn't brought up here. Like it just, that was, that didn't register. I guess it was like, okay. I don't think they want us to remember that. Well, I didn't want to have to live through it in, in foresight. So he says attacking legends that paved the way that doesn't make you a legend. That makes you a no good prick. So Orton challenges him to fight. Hunter notes, I have no benefit from fighting you. So he turns it down. And then Orton uh, reached into his purse to take out an insult from a year and a half ago and asked if Hunter was able to retrieve his balls from Stephanie's purse. Did he say that a year ago? He used this insult before. Mm, One of these two used it on each other. They must clearly love this idea of testicles in Stephanie's purse. Yeah. Yeah. So this this was enough to make Hunter change his thinking about this. There was now something to his benefit. So he got into the ring and drilled Randy, sent him to the floor, and Orton assumes the fight's on, but the announcers note he never said yes. Yes, so you should stay and wait to see. 
I was glued. So, (laughs) yes, Hunter's balls made it into the Thunderdome, and they will represent him in this fight against Randy later tonight. What was Hunter supposed to announce here? Yeah, they said he was here as an official. I don't know. Why Uh, did he come down to the ring earlier? (laughs) Maybe he was going to announce, maybe he was going to promote NXT for once on Raw. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I you know I uh, again it, this was a probably a very last minute thing. This was supposed to be Orton versus Drew McIntyre on the show. Uh, as a make good, you need a bigger name to kind of you know live up to the I guess a uh, hype of of uh, Drew McIntyre star and, and, and someone that that's there and has been yep. tested. It's not like you can just pick up the phone and someone drives in to do this. It's who's who is here. Exactly. And this was their best option. It really was. So, uh, you know, it's a very different circumstance for, for us to be able to to grade, grade the show. Um, we can nitpick it all, but, like, they, this was making the best of a, of a tough situation. They recapped last week and tried to make sense of this Ric Flair, Charlotte Flair storyline. Oh, man. Where Peyton Royce pinned Charlotte. Flair is interviewed by Sarah Schreiber. We did all the interviews tonight. She said that Charlotte is. Yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte is interviewed. Yes. She said that Evans isn't the first woman to hit on her dad and won't be the last. And she loves her dad. It was just the heat of the moment. And she doesn't know why in 2021 here on Raw, she is being asked about her dad. Like, dude, it did you not live through last week? And then she says and makes it very clear, he's at home. He's at home. Yeah. Um I you know, maybe he snuck out by himself, caught an Uber, got got to the arena. Can you imagine like he hid from Charlotte all day and probably yesterday? That's kind of the story that they're telling. I mean, it oh, was was Please, just... I hope you can explain what story they're telling cuz <laughs> I wasn't... was lost. So basically, last week we, I think we've come to realize was a mistake. Like, Ric Flair was not supposed to deliberately trip Charlotte so like, oh, so deliberately. Like he was supposed to trip. He was supposed to. They showed the replay where he is facing well yeah. Charlotte. Like he, he doesn't have the back turn. There's no subtlety to it. The spot was supposed to be him accidentally getting Charlotte, even though he was trying to get Peyton. But when you look at the replay, he was very clearly looking and deliberately taking, tripping Charlotte. So they really had no choice but to go with that story. Like of Flair now intentionally turning on Charlotte, which in other any other time would be a major angle. Like a father turning on his daughter. Dude, it's, Dude. it's too <laughs> wacky to possibly comprehend. And it's out of nowhere. Yeah. So, but again, like he screwed up, man, and like they really, I, I would just drop this, it personally. This was like, not Michael Nakazawa and Matt Seidel. <laughs> no, this was not that level of brilliance. So this week they, just, they decided to run with it. Yeah, Flair has turned on his daughter because he has the hots <laughs> for Lacey Evans. Uh, it can't be both. He can't like be pursuing this affair with uh, Lacey Evans and have a relationship with his daughter. That uh, just, no, you can't reconcile no. those two. Yeah. Hey, on a semi-related note, you've got to watch this Tiger Woods documentary on HBO. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah? What's it about? Well, about other than Tiger A Woods, very complicated anything. relationship between father and son. Ooh, okay. Cool. It's like, yeah. It, Tiger Woods isn't involved in it at all. So I guess there's some that are 
you know, looking at that, it's like, well, Tiger's not involved with this. It's like, well, this is this is the same criticism The Last Dance had that you had Michael Jordan and his production team involved. It's like you're not getting a Tiger Woods for a documentary unless mm-hmm. he's got um, input in the documentary. This one, it's being done with all these people around him and it's, you know, and it's get, getting like a level of uh, depth that, you know, Tiger Woods, save for his big uh, blow up in 2009, has been someone that has been very uh, reticent to any kind of controversy until, you know, his world exploded. But it was a very interesting documentary. It's it's certainly not um, last dance level, but I would still recommend checking it out. I, I will add that to the list. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's the better. Uh, it's a tiger documentary that I will recommend. Mm. A better Tiger Not documentary the other than the one from last year. Yes. Mm. So where are we? Then uh, Charlotte goes out for the match and Schreiber interviews Lacey next. She didn't flirt with anyone that didn't want to be flirted with. Rick is a handsome, powerful, charming man and dedicates this match to the nature boy. Not Buddy Rogers and blows a kiss to the camera. So that is our story. Before the match, we get the update from Drew McIntyre confirming he has COVID. He has no symptoms, but this should not be taken lightly and tells people to wear their masks and to be socially distant. And then we'd hear from him later. You know, if this was anybody but their WWE champion, do you think that we would get something like this? I have to say no, because nobody else has done this on WWE programming. Yeah, like AJ Styles tested positive and i mean like we've had some people talk about it privately online like not privately but not on wwe programming like this mm-hmm. was one where um listen they felt like they needed to do this i'm glad I mean, they did i don't think there's a negative stigma with having covid but it ultimately nope. is going to be the performer that has to sign off on that but i don't see any reason not to yeah yeah and you know i imagine like maybe maybe this type of news with him being away for who knows how long like might have eventually made its way out there anyway. And I definitely think it looks better for the company to just, you know, announce it themselves than to have, have it come out again later um, through other sources. It's also, I think when you are transparent in this particular situation, it's a case where, you know, God forbid there's any kind of, you know, issue with Drew and they, like they don't have to play these games about trying to promote a match and then they can't deliver it. I mean, people know what the deal is and, you know, the match is secondary. It's not important. It's, mm-hmm. you know, this guy is dealing with COVID. Hopefully he's fine. It He's, you know, his two weeks are up and then he can return. But if not, then fine. He's off and everyone knows what the deal is. Mm-hmm. Charlotte Flair versus Lacey Evans. Samoa Joe with his... Fine analysis says, when you grow up the daughter of Ric Flair, there are many an amorous woman that show up on your doorstep. Yeah, sure. What a bizarre, um, what a bizarre life to live that there may be random women showing up at your doorstep because of your father. I mean, that's Ric Flair, isn't it? At least the Ric Flair character. Um, it's, it's Ric Flair. So there's a head scissors by Flair. She flips Lacey all over the place. And then Rick's music plays. Guys, Rick was not at home. He comes out. Dude, this guy just was looking like he was on cloud nine coming out on Raw. 
This set up the commercial. We come back. Lacey is doing the strut and is booted by Flair out of the corner and then sent to the floor. In the ring, Flair hits this natural selection that did not come close to hitting. She ducks a women's right as Flair is talking to her father and tells Rick to go home. And I guess they were getting set to go home because then uh, she hooked Charlotte's leg on this suplex, or sorry, Rick grabbed Charlotte's leg on the suplex and then held the leg down as Lacey pinned Charlotte in 12-27. Evan celebrates with Rick and leaves with him. And uh, first of all, this match, I thought that Charlotte had to like slow down so much for Lacey. I thought the timing was really off here for a Charlotte match. The natural selection looked very bad. I did not think this was a very good match. I thought it was just whatever. It, w- it wasn't all that dramatic to begin with. Uh, but the, the, you also had a spot where Rick had to put Char- Lacey's boot up for the rope break. After oh, that's right. Selection. We had her put, yeah, she had to put Lacey's uh, foot onto the bottom rope to uh, break up the pinfall. This was after that ba- that natural selection. Yeah, I, I would say all in all, I think all things considered, this whole thing was pretty bad. Seeing this week in execution, I think there was a real clear problem that carried on from last week to this week. And it's not really so much the wrestling. It's that Ric Flair is unfortunately way too slow to play a convincing, cheating heel manager. Like just him seeing him try to get that boot up onto the rope felt like way too slow to be believable. Him like waiting for Charlotte to trip on the suplex and holding her foot down. Even all of that felt incredibly Mm -hmm. fake. Felt like they were... Everybody, including the referees, seemed like they were working towards Rick's limitations, and I really just don't think it's worth including Flair, especially under the circumstances, for a story like this. This is just bad. I, I didn't think this was good at all. Backstage, Lacey is with Rick and says she'll change at the hotel. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, he wants to be involved, I'm sure. He, he loves to do this shit, so... Yeah, we'll see what t- what type of story they they could film. If we're doing Al Wilson and Don Marie yeah. all over again, yeah. Keith Lee is with Braxton and uh, with Kayla Braxton and asks how he g- gets over that loss to Drew last week. Sheamus walks in, said, "You earned Drew's respect, therefore mine as well." The Miz and Morrison show up. They each call the other losers, and then, have you seen the movie Dumb and Dumber? Yeah, but which one is dumber, as they point to Miz and Morrison? Then Miz and Morrison talk about their New Year's resolutions. Keith Lee accepts a tag match, and then they bring up the last time Lee and Sheamus teamed together. It ended with Sheamus hitting Lee with a brogue kick. So we're going to have partners together that might not be on the same page. Maybe. Or Maybe. They, could, they could be on the same page, yeah. We'll find out. This is like remarkably similar to like Falcon and Winter Soldier teaming up. You know, like they're both Captain America's friends, but they hate each other at first. Now they got a TV show together. Okay. Who who are Miz and Morrison? Ooh. I don't know. The, I've, uh, I don't know if they would make the MCU. I'm up to uh, Sasha Banks' introduction now on The Mandalorian. Wow. You really blasted through this whole thing. I have. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm like almost midway through season two. Cool. Your thoughts? I like it. 
I, I, I'm, I'm not uh, one that is going to say I'm like in love with it. But I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Cool. Elias and Jackson Riker come out. Elias injured his thumb recording his music. He has a blister. So Riker will replace him against Jeff Hardy. He gave the microphone to Jackson Riker. He will do whatever it takes to prove his allegiance to Elias. I am inspired to destroy. Well, he was inspired to have a 49-second match with Jeff Hardy, where Elias was on commentary. Jeff went for a swanton. Elias distracted him. Jackson rolled him up and pinned him, grabbing Jeff's jeans in 49 seconds. It was really a textbook WWE TV finish. You know, a schoolboy distraction. What about that promo from Jackson Riker? He's inspired uh, to destroy. Yeah, like <laughs> interesting wording, certainly from from the the Trump supporter. Oh, I didn't even. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, weird. But uh, anyway, you know, Jeff Hardy here takes the loss and basically says, "What wins and losses don't matter," and moves on he, from the segment. He's happy to be here. He's already won. Oh, that's the other guy. Hardy then challenges Elias and by goading him says, people will think you're afraid that the audience will know Jackson Riker is better. And Elias was like, fuck no, Jackson Riker is not better than me. So Elias instructs Jackson not to interfere as he returns to the ring and we get an impromptu match with Jeff and Elias. It was like a wink, wink, don't interfere. Okay. That type of thing. Elaborate storytelling. Elias pulls him down by his towel that's coming out of his pants. There's a flying knee from Elias. Hardy gets up, hits a twist of fate, climbs up, swanton, and he pins him. In 352, Elias is pissed that Riker didn't get involved, and Riker, auditioning for his Academy Award, gets in. You, you told me not to help. So we have two guys that are not on the same page. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, well, listen, John, like, we're, we're this is drama here. You know, we need drama. We can't just have everybody get along. What? We have no one getting along, though. We don't have... <laughs> Partners who like each other? Come on. Seamus and Keith Lee hate each other. Elias and Riker don't get along. Yeah. Baszler and Nia Jax don't get along. Listen, the world is... Now, look at this. The world is built on conflict. All right. This this is just the way things are. Everyone's divisive. Okay. Yeah. But uh yeah, we have Jeff Hardy here. I guess he ends the day at 500. He lost to Jackson Riker, but he he beats Elias. It it, it was okay. Like I'm reminded partway through this match that this was the guy who accused him of running him over. Um we, <laughs> yeah. we still don't What we, happened? What yeah. happened to that? We the still, redhead is still at large. Exactly. We still don't know who did it. Um so that's still lingering. <laughs> There was, that, a, there was a whole backstory to this match. Well, they did close that feud. They did. Oh, end right. The feud. electrocution kind of ended that. The symphony of destruction. <laughs> Correct. So I don't really know what the point of this particular match was. I'm really not sure what Jeff's direction is at the moment. He lost to Randy Orton. Just seems to be a guy who can like take losses at this point. Here, I guess he was used to like give Riker a, a, a win. And then to save face for him, they had him beat Elias. Like It seems to be a tactic they were using for a number of their baby faces. So, nothing week. mattered. So, yeah, like, I don't... This I don't was a Raw, like, honestly, I don't know what all they were going up against, mm-hmm. but 
like this felt like a raw like let's just get through this show. Oh, absolutely. Fill it yeah. up. Like there was n- we had 10 matches on this show. It's like very little consequence. 10 matches anything. on the show with a number of repeat performers. So what is oh, that? Dude, we you? had like four people do double duty on this show. Yeah, yeah. So so that tells you that, that something was, you know, crazy behind the scenes and that they just needed to fill these 3 hours. So who knows what what that was, but this match certainly felt like a time fill. They recapped Reigns and Adam Pierce from SmackDown. Uh, or sorry, for the promo this week, it's built around Reigns and Adam Pierce. Sheamus and Keith Lee against Miz and Morrison. Uh, they let Keith Lee showcase his power, especially early when he military pressed Morrison onto Miz on the floor. And then Morrison's in the corner. Keith Lee launches at him and tackles him, causing the top rope to fall down. And Keith Lee was so impressed by this. And we set up the commercial, came back, and it was all fixed up. And this just seemed like a spot to send you to commercial to just yeah. showcase his power. It was like, okay. This week, it, it felt like they were making a lot of like creative effort to give us reasons for to take commercial breaks again. Whether it be like, you know, guys... Ric Flair's not at home. Uh, okay, I guess. Or guys like losing matches and then challenging the manager like to fit in a commercial break. I, I can't beat the real threat. Maybe I'll take on the weak link. Yeah, pretty much it. Like That's the babyface story for, for the Hardy Bros this week. Uh, it was a cool spot here, breaking the turnbuckle. I kind of wanted to see them continue the match without the top rope. It actually made it interesting. So I was a little bit disappointed when they came back and they pretty much just kind of ignored it. Miz and Morrison took over. They had control of Sheamus for a while. They double teamed him until Miz ran into an Irish curse. And then Lee got the big hot tag, avalanches to both. And then he swatted Morrison coming off the middle rope in midair. And as Keith Lee is getting set to win the match, Sheamus tags in to steal the glory with a brogue kick, pinning John Morrison in 1252. But the two hug and they laugh and they appear to be buddies. Okay. Happy ending. Yeah, for once, I mean, partners who can get along. Yeah, perfect. I wonder how they'll follow up on this. This yeah. is a great moment at the end. Two, a friendship was born out of this victory. Yeah. So Sarah Schreiber goes back. She's with Paul Levesque. He came here as an official, not to fight. Though, he, to Way's point, he never brought up what his official business was here tonight. He said, Orton can't get how the legends paved the way. So he's accepted this fight on behalf of every legend. I'm doing this for Tatanka. <laughs> I would have rather seen a show built around Randy and Tatanka tonight. That would have been awesome. Oh, that would be amazing. Boogeyman, like, who else was in that crop? Oh, the legend uh, Alicia Fox. Hmm, yes. Maybe they could have got Carlito this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Re- redo their classic uh, Unforgiven 2006 contest. Mm. I mean, lots of ways. So after this interview, (laughs) I swear to God, I rewound because I was like, I missed something. We're in the ring. Lee and Seamus are at each each other's throats and the bell rings and they're having a heated match. What the hell happened? I had no, I have no clue. <laughs> we missed the whole middle of this. They what must... went from this victory to I'm going to kill you, which is what we got in the span of three minutes. They must have really disagreed on this Triple H backstage segment. Maybe I don't know. Now they like we thought this. We well, finally a team who can get along. We <laughs> we were uh, too quick to judge because they clearly cannot get along. And 
they signed a match even in the span of that time. So I don't know what kind of storytelling this was. It was just like, I guess we were supposed to be caught off guard, you know? Yep. They just got into it. Uh, Lee got sent to the floor and then belly to belly Sheamus into the barricade. Sheamus almost got counted out, but he got in at 10. At the same point, it looked like Keith Lee was about to roll to the floor. So it was like Keith Lee was doing like the stop, drop, and roll as Sheamus rolled into him. It was quite the um, collision. Match continues. Lee's got his arm wrapped around the post several times. So he's selling the one arm. He teases the Spanish fly, but gets stopped by Sheamus, who attacks the arm, goes for an arm bar. But Keith Lee lifts him up, slams him, spirit bomb, and pins him in 655. Afterwards, Keith Lee puts out his fist. Sheamus slams the fist away and hugs him. Also, they can get along. Yes. I was expecting to come (laughs) back from commercial and Keith Lee would be like unconscious (laughs) with Sheamus holding a bat. I really feel like this was another one of those segments that was probably just done because they needed the time to fill because whoever whatever they were short for some reason because in the end it was like you didn't even need this this will definitely be probably cut out from the hulu version the end result is that they can suddenly get along and this was just something to prolong that conclusion anyway so again we don't know what they're up against but this was just like a really weird sloppy bit of storytelling then they recap the drew goldberg segment from last week and we go back to drew with his taped comments and he compliments the legends from last week and said, after my match, I didn't have a chance to thank them because I was rudely interrupted. And Goldberg was one of his personal favorites as a kid. I wanted to be like Goldberg, but he let me down and he let his legacy down. You put words in my mouth. I didn't even say those things. <laughs> oh, and man, these shows have been terrible. Like, they're usually... They're usually like, okay, we can criticize their writing all the time, but their time management is usually pretty good. Like whatever crazy things you, you want to say that they have these guys say, they at least say them the way I think they're meant to be said, you know, as, as off and weird as they may be. Like this week just felt like, and last week especially, just felt like a just a series of errors everywhere. And so the big chase for Bill is the fact that he's never held the WWE title. He's only won the Universal title. So mm-hmm. that's what he's chasing at the Rumble. Drew says, you've never held it. And I didn't want to accept your challenge because you're 20 years older. <laughs> but that changed when you shoved me. So you need a lesson in respect. So I'm accepting the challenge and Bill, you're next. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, probably the promo he was supposed to cut in person this week and not the same feeling when you're doing it on a cell phone in a room, of course, but you know, this is the best that they could do. I thought he came across fine under the circumstances. I think this is such a weird, um, story. It's like Goldberg to me being positioned as like semi heel in this. I just think it's like a weird use of him. So what know. what was the original story supposed to be? Like Drew was supposed to have had some line that was dismissive of the legend, right? I guess Drew was like, yeah, like Drew was supposed to talk and I guess. So Drew was le- kind of supposed to be the heel. I don't think 
like I think Drew was supposed to say something that Bill was going to misconstrue. I yeah. still think Bill was going to come out as the heel in this, that he's the one overreacting to a line Drew used because clearly Drew was to be the baby face in all of this. Right. Uh, I just think that's a tough role to put Goldberg in. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just this program doesn't do a whole lot for me. I guess it all comes down to people's interest in in seeing Goldberg with a different opponent in Drew McIntyre. And the difference being this one, I think people have more faith that this will be to Drew's benefit and not doing yeah. a a quick nostalgia run with Goldberg. But I kind of feel like the you know the the temperature I'm getting from from the audience is that like I don't think anybody really wants to see Goldberg, you know, possibly win the championship another time possibly take the belt from somebody who's in their prime like a drew mcintyre so i think you do position him as as a as a heel you know at least more so than drew it seems like the only options on raw like god their baby faces that they built like riddle and jeff hardy are like they've been terrible it's like your your option was sheamus like that seemed to be the only other option so is sheamus or goldberg they decided to go this this alternate route with goldberg mm-hmm Riddle is in the back talking to two people off camera that we can't see. And he compares winning the U.S. title tonight to going to your favorite pizza place and getting all the different types of cheese. The Lucha House Party are the ones listening. And he has to explain that this is a metaphor for winning the title. Lucha House Party says they can't stand the hurt business. They fight dirty. So they tell Riddle to watch his back. Riddle breaks it down. And explains how it's impossible to watch your back. And ends it with the farewell of, thanks, brochachos. I swear to God, like, his character is from New Jersey. He is Brandon. Really? Mm, really? I guess that's where they're going. Maybe, but not, like, maybe if you... In scripting, maybe there's a lot less laughing for sure. Um, I think Riddle is way more annoying than Brandon can ever hope to be. Like this Riddle character is just so obnoxious and not in an endearing way at all. Like he's Ashton Kutcher, like at his Damn. worst, like Oof. peak two thousands, like trucker cap Ashton Kutcher, which is just unbearable. Well, uh, this would follow with a tremendous utilization of Riddle in his match. <laughs> Xavier Woods versus T-Bar. Okay. There's been a long line of promos, but I think Dominic has officially handed over the mantle to my new favorite, T-Bar. We got an inset promo of T-Bar stating that the power of positivity will be Xavier's undoing. I'm positive that I will twist your body into the shape of your trombone, but the music it makes will be the sound of your breaking spirit and your broken bones. <laughs> I I don't know. I kind of get a kick out of them. Like they're clearly it's so campy oh, and yeah. comical with the delivery of the voice he's doing. I feel so bad for this performer that's got to try and make this work. My saving grace is that they can one day take this guy's mask off and hopefully it's a hard reset. But this is 
this is brutal. This I think that gimmick. I think that I think that's the point. Like I think I think they're trying to be so far so different from their usual selves that you'll probably forget about them completely. They might not even acknowledge that this ever existed. They'll just wake up from this dream and he'll be Dijak again. But like I think they're it's like they're clearly just like taking the piss out of this very campy eighties gimmick. Like they're just kind of definitely bordering on comedy. At the, like they know they're kind of embracing that. I I, I mean. They could honestly go like if there was that outlet for them. Oh, they could like they like, could go the dark order route, and oh, I think yeah. like, but I mean they, that's... they need to at this point. I mean it's there's there's no making this a serious threat whatsoever. Look at their names. This yeah, the unfortunate part of that way though is that in WWE, once you go that route, it's like the ceiling is twenty four seven. Like oh, there's yeah. not an upper trajectory once you're labeled as that. Yeah. So it's it's not like it's like this savior for them to just embrace the comedy either i feel then they'd just be running around the thunderdome after our truth it's it's true it's unfortunate i mean you saw it with like um like they, they did this with the ascension you know they tried to make them serious it wasn't working so you turned them comedy they tried it with the viking raiders and look at uh those skits which we'll probably talk about tomorrow um anytime things fail you go the comedy route and they might get over but you know they they won't be taken as serious threats. I, I I maybe not anytime soon. So it's Xavier Woods and T Bar, and off the top, they state that Kofi Kingston recently suffered a broken jaw in a match with the Hurt Business. And I haven't heard any more on this, but there was uh, right after the TLC match that they had, Kofi did post a picture of like losing teeth. Uh, but he did do matches afterwards. He he wrestled last week. So I don't know. I mean, this sounds like there's no reason to doubt this because there was no storyline attached to this. They just said he has a broken jaw. So hmm. if that's the case, hopefully he's not out for too long. But that doesn't sound fun. Not at all. No. T-Bar levels him with this huge clothesline. He's beating him down. And then Woods tries to fight back using a jawbreaker. And then uses chops, missile drop kick, retribution distracts, Woods gets his arm snapped, and then gets hit with the eyes wide shut. Is that what he's calling it right now? Yes. Or is it something else? Yes. You no longer feast your eyes. You just shut them. Eyes completely. wide shut. Okay. Interesting. All it's right. It's 455. Um, no, it was it was fine. Uh, I mean. T-Bar wins. You know, we we don't know how long Kofi would be away for, but uh, perhaps this is just setting up Kofi's return. Or Ricochet is supposed to still be around. He's still telling a story with with uh, Retribution. Maybe you pair him and and Xavier Woods up for a few weeks. Maybe. I mean, sure, they could they could do something. Um, they could lose together. That would be yeah. Come together. Like we've we we're a combined zero and five now against them. So let's uh, <laughs> let's do this. Orton's in the back. He notes how far he goes back with Hunter. And then he said, at one time, Hunter knew me more than I knew myself. Okay. That's pretty, that's pretty significant. Hmm. He embraces his hatred so that he can direct it at someone else. Bobby Lashley and Riddle for the United States title. If the goal of this was at the end that you were just begging for Riddle to get his his shot uh, again at Bobby Lashley. I don't know if this was the route towards it. 
Lashley charges at him before the bell and he attacks Riddle repeatedly, but Riddle wants to fight. He valiantly goes through. He's bleeding from the mouth. He is able to send Lashley into the post and then knees him off of the apron, goes for a floating bro off the middle rope to the floor. But then in the ring, Lashley catches him, dumps him awkwardly and applies the hurt lock and Riddle's fighting it and he's fighting it. But then he says, you know what? I'm not getting out of this. Taps out in a minute 58. Like, okay, that was quite the uh, finality here. And then he gets on the mic, says, hey, I can't beat Lashley tonight. Maybe I can beat you, MVP. And MVP, who's in his suit, decides, yeah, sure. Why not? It's only Matt Riddle. Really tough to be a, a Matt Riddle fan over the past two weeks. You know, first the man taps and then wins by cheating. Taps again this week. He's really annoying backstage. And even when he loses, he's such a sore loser. He's like, he, this is total heel tactics, you know? Like, he just won't let it go. Wait, we are going to have a company of heels at the end. Maybe that's just going to be the end. Like, we won't book baby faces anymore. Because they don't know how. There's. St- it's this very small island of baby faces that are popular these days in this company. So we get the impromptu match. MVP works in his clothes. Riddle hits a PK to Lashley off the apron and then a floating bro to MVP. But nothing happens because Lashley just gets into the ring and spears him. So we get a DQ in a minute 21. Riddle gets beaten down and then MVP kicks a field goal with Matt Riddle's ribs. And that's how we ended the segment. If at the end of this, you're supposed to want to see Matt Riddle against either of these two, this greatly failed. I'm guessing it's um, it's a transition to, to Riddle versus MVP, I suppose. You know, because he oh. can't beat the guy for the title, so he's going out to the manager. That's sort of the big triumphant win that Riddle is after. Uh, of course, it can also be something with the Hardy bros as well. Although, yeah, Dude, maybe that's R- what... Lashley beat Hardy like three weeks in a row. Well, he hasn't faced them together. They're definitely not at Lashley's difficulty level. Like they no. need, maybe they just need to, you know, go to like medium difficulty against MVP. Mm-hmm. Baffling. They recapped Adam Pierce winning the gauntlet, and AJ's talking to Adam Pierce about the possibility that they could face off at WrestleMania. Maybe. Yeah. Drew Gulak walks in. He wants to be in the Rumble. Adam Pierce explains that you're not over enough to just declare that you're in the Rumble says, well, AJ did that, and Adam explained, AJ's over, you're not. So AJ asks, who have you beaten, Drew? And he pulls out a flash drive, and Pierce makes a match between the two where if Gulak can win, he will enter the Royal Rumble. They actually had like a fine three-minute match here. Gulak hit a tiger driver and then used a victory roll before the Pele kick lands. Big flurry of strikes from AJ, uh, Amos appears with his big foot next to Gulak on the floor. And then the camera just slowly pans up to his face. This might've been the best 15 second interval on raw tonight. Just this pan. I guess so. If you, if that's what you got out of these three hours and one pan, that's what I got. Uh, phenomenal forearm, AJ one, three thirteen. uh, fine. Three minute match. Nothing to complain about here. I can't compliment like a three minute thing. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it was just there, man. Like I felt nothing watching anything on this show. They did a feature on Bill Goldberg. 
Mainly just comments like, like, from what, Eric Bischoff. Was there any point to that? I, I guess it was just an exhibition match for, for AJ to give him some yes. momentum heading yeah, into the Yeah, it was program. like Gulak could have entered the Rumble, but he isn't. Again, you know, like, it's, you know, when the story comes out about what, what exactly happened with this show, I think it'll be um, really interesting because I, I have a feeling a lot of this stuff was changed, like, wasn't supposed to be on this show. There's just simply no point to a lot of these segments. Goldberg feature going through his WCW run, his multiple WWE runs, and winning the Universal title. Hunter is in the back. He has now morphed from Paul to Hunter. Uh, we are able to tell this because he has now put on a Motorhead shirt. Because when you put on your band shirt, way you turn back the t- the clock twenty years, and he's got his jeans and leather jacket. Keith Lee comes in. He says, you've done a lot for me. Let me do something for you. I'll take care of Randy. But Hunter says, no, Keith, I made this mess. I've got to clean it up. So what was the point of this segment? Uh, Hunter's got his balls. Right. Yeah. And Keith's his buddy. Keith is one of his Yeah, guys. I guess to show that like Keith Lee and Triple H have sort of a relationship from the past um, makes... Hunter look like, you know, he's a doesn't need people's help. He's on the side of the good guys. Like, I thought this would set something up for Keith Lee down the road with, like, Randy Orton or something. But um, I don't think that's the case. Uh, no, probably not imminent. Nia Jax is back with Shayna Baszler. They took on Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. Okay. What I said about Amos and the pan, no, this was my favorite part of Raw. This promo from Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. They decided to say in unison, we are declaring for the 2021 Royal Rumble match. This sounded like a robot. It was amazing. And then they do their double flex pose and Mandy says, that tossing Shayna over the top rope, we're going to toss her harder than a Kardashian tosses Kanye to the curb. Pop culture reference, check. At least this one, I think, was, you know, within the past couple weeks or past week. I mean, it was better than the Ocean Spray guy, better than um, Joe, Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan, like from out of nowhere. Well, uh, yeah, so current, certainly. Oh, what did we have here? Like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, these, this was just, it was just like recapping just, like, three-minute matches. Just tell me the result. Like, who cares? You will about- never guess it if you didn't see it, Way Who cares about these moves? Like, no one gives a shit. Naya like- had the match won. Shayna did the blind tag in and won with the Kirafuda clutch in 321. So Naya is annoyed the exact same way that we ended Lee and Sheamus over Miz and Morrison. So Baszler and Jax are still at odds after like 18 months together. Like, the whole show is being booked by basically, like, a career mode in a video game. They only have a palette of, like, five types of storylines. and they About just ten kinda... matches to spread them out over multiple times. Oh, my God. Five hours of TV to, to produce every single week. And so it's just, like, copy and paste, you know? It, it is, like, a very different show, though. Because I feel like SmackDown has many elements of creativity, that, of things that I've never seen before in wrestling. At least not in the WWE. But this show is just cookie-cutter up and down the card. And not even good cookie cutter. It's like no, a, this is just like plain oatmeal that's like no taste. Yeah. 
Hunter and Orton come out. They start their fight with six minutes to go. In this record amount of time, they were able – like Orton sliced open his cheek and got blood all over Hunter's eye or over his head. Thumb to the eye. Hunter pulls out the sledgehammer. The light short circuit. I didn't know if this was maybe just Tropicana Field in its regular state. No, it was a sign for the fiend because then the sledgehammer engulfs in flames. But then the lights go out, including the flames. So it's dark. The lights, the spotlight shows up on Randy. Hunter has gone into the abyss, not Chris Parks. And suddenly Alexa Bliss is in the corner, holds up her hand that reads pain and shoots a fireball in honor of Ed Farhat right into Randy's face. And man, they used that weekend song too early at WrestleMania because that is the song we needed to end because everybody, Randy Orton was blinded by the light. Oh, very nice. I thought it was the other one about his face. Max's favorite artist, right? The weekend. He loves him. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I take it back what I said about uh, things that I've never seen before. Because, you know, these past weeks, I've I've certainly never seen a man being burnt alive on TV. So that is new. That is, uh, I suppose, creative. That's This week. What? You literally saw a man burnt alive at TLC. That's what I meant. Oh, yeah. I thought you were okay. Never mind. Uh, I guess fireballs are, are you know pretty much a wrestling trope at this point. Uh, but we haven't seen one on Raw, I guess, in quite some time. I bet you Randy regains his vision in record time. I think by the Rumble he'll be fine. You really probably should have had those goggles on. You know uh, what? That would have been a great callback. Yeah, where were those goggles? Yeah. In hindsight, I mean, you would expect that maybe this was the ending they had in mind, even if the match with Drew McIntyre took place. And they just really needed a big enough name substitute for Drew to come out here, have a part of a match, and then disappear after the fiend lights out and comes. Maybe in they're gonna the have like a cinematic blind, like the concept of a blindfold match done in a cinematic presentation where it's Orton is blind; he is without his senses. You already kind of did that this year. You had a blind blind angle this year already. Well. This was a really bad show. Um, you know, one, though, where it was really clear, clear they were scrambling to fill these three hours. Um, and they they tried, man. But it was not a, not good. Um, and I don't think it really... You know what? I, I take that back. Because last time they had to scramble to fill a, fill a TV show, it was one of the Sometimes best Sometimes the, the, the better shows we get are <laughs> ones where they have, their back is against the wall to put something out. Like, I'm sorry. This, to me... Like, but, you're a wrestling show. At the very worst... Like put out, put out a match that goes like that eats up some time. Like we we didn't get outside of the Charlotte match, like the Charlotte match and the Sheamus Keith Lee tag match. Like those are the only things that had any reasonable time to them. Like these were all just short, wacky finishes, leading nowhere, bizarre stories, wacky angle to end the show. I mean, yeah, yeah, this was probably like a hodgepodge of ideas, and probably a lot got thrown out the window today. But man, it was still very rough show. Yeah, no, but you're right. Like we've seen them do themselves. Like you know, like as recent as a couple weeks ago, uh, SmackDown, where it was just like straight up wrestling show. You rely on the performers to just do their work, and then typically the sh- those shows end up pretty good. Give me another gauntlet match that la- lasts, you know, an, an hour, and in that time, use it to build somebody else. Um, I don't know something something to that effect. But this week, it just felt like a lot of. Mm, 
weird booking decisions only done to like extend segments at the expense of like a lot of your baby faces. What they did with Riddle, what they did with like Jeff Hardy this week was weird. Um, man, I don't. What else we got? <laughs> we got double matches with Jeff Hardy with Sheamus, Keith Lee. Yeah, what was that? what was up with like Keith Lee and Sheamus fighting out of nowhere? Um, and that's kind of it, right? Dude, the riddle stuff. The 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 Ric Flair stuff is weird. Like up and down this card, it's just a weird show. And of course, like I thought whole... by, by Charlotte standards, I thought a really poor match with Lacey Evans. I did like this wasn't a good show. It just wasn't a good show. Like you, you know, whatever factors you're dealing with, at the end of the day, it's you know. The audience is the audience. That's This is the product that they got tonight. So, I mean, you know, to me, a big question is, like, how, how many people are even sticking around watching these things at this point? Like, are they just, like, seeing these kind of series of, especially Raw, and are they just kind of saying, like, I'm out. Like, I'm joining the bunch of people that are out for whatever reason over the past several years. Like, Would you have been watching uh, Alabama and Ohio State tonight, Way? Um, apparently, it was a blowout game, so uh, maybe oh, was it? maybe not. Yeah, I I probably wouldn't be doing that, but there are plenty a lot of other things that I think somebody could do on a Monday. You would have watched the Tiger Woods documentary. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, I would have. You know what I've been watching lately? Yeah. What? I have been going back and watching the old Bond movies because they're on Crave. Interesting. Okay. These are these are wild. Some of them do not age well, but they actually have a warning at the beginning that. Hey, these don't age well necessarily, but they warn you about that. How so? There's actually a warning at the beginning of one about they are they're not necessary. I can't remember what the wording is, but oh, not, it's just like controversial ref- takes. Yes, and, okay. yes. Uh, James Bond is uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, quite the womanizer. Gotcha. Okay, but they're well, fun movies. Like they're just like all the yeah. gadgets and stuff. They're like fun movies to watch. I've never been much of a Bond fan. But, uh, I was. This is where my mind went. By the second movie, I was like, "Wait, what are the odds that Way is going to want to like pick these as like the next set?" And I was already thinking of. Uh, I figured there, there's way too many to to do them for us, so these will be my selfish ones. I don't have to take notes to watch. That's always good to have. Well, let's get some feedback in Way and uh, check in with the forum because maybe we missed something on Raw. Maybe maybe there was a gem on the show. Yeah, and. Uh... We'll throw it out there. If anybody wants to have anything to say, uh, we'll take maybe a couple calls if they if there are any of them. So uh, let's go first to the forum. Tonight's show got a 3.65 out of 10. And our first piece of feedback comes from Aaron. Besides the Orton Hunter stuff and maybe Charlotte Lacey, I found this to be a pretty forgettable show. There was nothing in between the first half hour and the last match that felt interesting. While I enjoyed the opening and closing segments, Triple H versus Orton seemed like a panic move once they found out Drew couldn't make the show. I thought it was stupid that he had no actual announcement after Orton confronted him. It just made me wonder why he was there in a kayfabe sense. Do you guys think we'll see Triple H in any more shows before Mania, or is this just a one-off because of Drew? I, I don't see any need that Hunter need unless you have some really specific story that requires him. I I don't expect him. Like, this was clearly just a stopgap, given the circumstances. And that's why I'm not too harsh on the Orton Hunter stuff. Like, that was... It's not like you just had anyone you could pick from that you could get there. It was like, who who's an available body? Hunter is, and we need to do this. Like, he... Guy hasn't had a match in a year and a half. So, I mean, it was it was what it was. They That was the ha- hand they were dealt tonight. 
Despite what they said about Hunter being in great shape, and he is in incredible shape, I mean, like, for a guy to have a full match at his age, I imagine, would take a good level of preparation, you know, just personally, behind the scenes. So, um, tonight you didn't really get anything at all, and I didn't really expect it. Do I expect them to be back for, like, Mania? Not now. Like, like, uh, are there any dream matches that are left for Hunter? Like, does is there... I guess there are guys like, okay, Keith Lee, for instance. You know, if you do a Keith Lee versus Triple H match, that would help Keith Lee, you would think. You would hope. Um, but there's also... You know what? Like, if it's a two-night mania, I, I definitely can't see him come back. Because, like, they don't really have a ton of other big draws right now to choose from. Got an Andrew from Cape Breton who says, I know in Nova Scotia they kept the gatherings at 10 people, so during New Year's, the party I went to wasn't that big with just family. I'm guessing in Florida they didn't have those rules. And tonight it might explain that. A week or so ago, Ryan Satin put out these tier lists, which I think are fun to debate about, but it showed how painfully thin each brand is. If a few guys are off the card, you end up having multiple people pulling double duty. The show was fine. 5 out of 10 as they didn't have much to work with, so it's hard to judge fairly. But a question for you guys. Should NXT go back to being strictly developmental with a focus on the PC talent and have the majority of capable performers be spread across Raw and SmackDown? You can't go back to that now. Like you have, it's not a problem of whether or not performers are capable. You have very capable performers on this raw roster. You have very Matt Riddle, Jeff Hardy, like fucking uh, Dijak, like Mustafa Ali. The talent is not the question. Yeah, not at all. Like that's that's not an issue. Uh, It's it's everything else. Yeah, and I mean, like you have you have a deal now with the USA Network to put two hours in. They're not paying for two hours of you know. Like the you you can't you can't go back at that point and to Way's point like that's not that's not the problem the the talent it is you know sometimes the positioning and, and handling of said talent. Uh, Paul from New Jersey. The show kicked off with an artificial crowd chanting Hunter Triple H, and I was already on the floor laughing. I thought I was playing SmackDown versus Raw 2006, which is the only other place you'll hear that chant. I actually don't mind the feud between Charlotte and Lacey. Both cut solid promos tonight, and they had a decent match. I don't have to suspend disbelief that Ric Flair would be swayed by a blonde half his age. The show then goes to... to, to but, but enough to, like... Turn on I, your child. <laughs> Come on, really? Like, that's too much. That's... Okay, please, go on. I don't have to suspend disbelief that Ric Flair would be uh, swayed by a blonde half his age. The show then goes to mid-card hell and dies a death for me. I have no time for acts like Elias, Riddle, and Retribution. The main event scene is flourishing in WWE, but the middle of the card needs serious work. I can't make it through three hours of Raw anymore. Is the main event flourishing in WWE? As of now, we've got uh, Goldberg and Drew, and then Uh we've... Raw sucks, but I think like on on Smack, well maybe he's referring to Roman. Like Drew in 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 and of itself is like a, a you have a pieces, spot. but I wouldn't say like we it's necessarily thriving. Flourishing might not be the word. Yeah. Uh, he adds here: Peyton Royce pinned Bailey at Survivor Series, and then off TV for three weeks. Peyton Royce pinned Charlotte last week, and is nowhere to be found. Why even give these victories if you're going to do nothing with them? People are saying that Triple H chant was pulled from a video game so yeah maybe that's what paul was referring to and what kevin in the chat room is referring to um kate says i'm starting to feel like there's an alarm somewhere in wwe headquarters that says in case of emergency bring in triple h he brought nxt talent in to save smackdown when the company had their superstars stranded in saudi arabia he got stuck with hosting duties on the show that aired two days after the covid lockdown started 
I thought he did a decent job tonight, all things considered, but it really smacked of desperation. I don't understand how they can be so sure that if Drew tested positive sometime between Monday and today, last Monday and today, he didn't expose anyone else or everyone else on the roster to the virus. It's not required that they provide that kind of transparency, but I feel like it would have helped if Drew's promo could have included any kind of detail to reassure the audience that WWE wasn't forging ahead without any regard for the safety of its employees. Overall, a pretty bland episode. The Riddle, Lashley, and Gulak Styles matches could have gone longer than they did, and there's way too much time lost to recaps. Also, am I the only, only one who finds it creepy as hell that Ric Flair appears to be flirting with a woman who bears a striking resemblance to Charlotte? Well, there's mm. uh, there's plenty to uh, the, the story that I don't think is uh, all that great. Yeah. Um. Okay. Do you want to read the last feedback before we go to a call? Yeah, let's do this last uh, piece here. Alexander from Portland. I've been liking Lashley's U.S. title run and not liking no first name Riddle. So seeing Riddle tap out tonight was fun, but I felt like I wasn't supposed to like it. If WWE is actually trying to make Riddle a babyface, they're doing a terrible job. He feels more suited for the 24-7 title. Jackson Riker wrestling was the opposite of a treat, but at least I learned how to spell his name correctly tonight. On a positive note, Randy Orton has consistently been in the most noteworthy segments over the past few months, and tonight was no different. I don't know where his feud with The Fiend is going, but I'm fired up for it. Forgettable show, 3 out of 10. Do you think Goldberg and Drew goes less than 5 minutes? I said less than 10. Yeah, I'm guessing... Uh, and maybe closer to 5. Close to 5, a little bit over 5. Let's close the show off here with Hanzi. Hanzi. What's going hey, on? what's going on, guys? I wish I... Uh... I had more to say about a shitty show. Like, I, the thing is, man, this podcast kind of like, um, like it kind of like, you know, it's a good watch. Like, it's a good like uh, companion piece. So I feel like if you guys got to suffer through it, then I got to suffer through it. You know what I mean? So like, that's that's why I I kind of watch these shows still a little bit. I was I was honestly gonna go watch Cobra Kai. You know what I mean? But like, I just said, I'll, I, I I they caught me with the Triple H thing. You know what I mean? I I, I should have known better, but. I was actually surprised he got more. He actually had a match. I thought it was going to be one of those Curtis Axel's deal where, like, it doesn't really go anywhere, really. But, like, it actually... That's exactly what it was, though, wasn't it? Like, well, how many wrestling moves did he actually do in this? No, well, I mean, you're you're right in that aspect, but I, I expected way less than what... He, like I, I, it went on for like a little bit longer than I thought it would. I was like, oh, okay, this is right. kind of, but it, it definitely wasn't worth, uh, you know, the way uh, with R- R- retribution. I think they should start naming all their finishing moves after Stanley Kubrick movies if that's the route they're going. I mean, you might as well. I mean, anything to get those guys over. But before I go, I just want to ask you guys. Now, I know you guys wouldn't, wouldn't be in favor of this, but would, would, would you guys be surprised if like, and I'm worried that like, you know, Drew McIntyre has been really, really good. But do you guys think like WWE because to make Goldberg a good guy, do you think like they'll turn Drew uh, 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 back to being a heel because the way they set, no. set the feud up? No. All I don't right. Think so. Like what? Okay. What's the upside to that? Why? Like no, I I mean I wouldn't I'm I'm not saying there's upside, but for some reason they have uh they have this like you know this fascination with Goldberg for the last couple of years since 2016. Drew's the guy sticking around. Like Goldberg is just a guy you use for your big show to, I don't know, bring in a bit bit of like um, mainstream interest. No, I I, I get that. I'm just, I'm just worried with with, with the way they set it up. That's why, because I mean, I I would be fascinated if they just let Goldberg kind of just be a heel 
Um, you know, what I mean, I know he's never really been a heel. He has been a heel before, but I mean, I like in this this day and age, like because like he came across more heelish than Drew McIntyre did. We've you know, barely people... seen anything from Goldberg yet, though, so I think it's it's he might be kind of like like John said. I think his character will be more like, you know, t- being misconstruing Drew's words, but ultimately kind of himself still being a babyface. Okay, and I think this ends like you know Drew wins and he gets like the endorsement from Goldberg. You know what I mean? It's like the legend acknowledges the loss, and, and then the next segment they'll start fighting again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then we'll come back from commercial, and there <laughs> they go. They're they're going yo, at it. Before I go, that I have to say, as someone who's bipolar, that was one of the most bipolar <laughs> segments I've ever seen in my life. I, I I honestly didn't know. I thought I I went away for a minute. I'm like. Wait a minute, weren't they guys just celebrating and then they just kind of, you know, it's what it's whatever though. But listen, guys, I will I'm looking forward to the the worst of show tomorrow and I'll I'll definitely be um in, in the Zoom chat for that, man. I, I I think those are your best shows, whatever. I know people are gonna get mad that you got a negative, whatever, but I look forward to the the worst of shows more than the best of shows. They so. should get mad at us if we're too positive, if it we're not negative enough. So yeah, we'll be uh thank you, Hansi, for the call, by the way. No problem. Um, yeah, we'll uh, so we'll be talking to a lot of you guys hopefully tomorrow from the Post Wrestling Cafe again, eight o'clock Tuesday. It's the worst of uh, and available to all patrons. We'll be taking some of your phone calls throughout the night to join the chat room and just basically release release with us the the horrors, the terrible wrestling of 2020. Yes, we'll be live Tuesday at eight, and then Wednesday night uh, for our double double ice cap eight, and a, eight Eastern, eight Eastern. And then Wednesday night, Rewind to Dynamite will be live at 10.15 Eastern for our double-double ice cap and espresso patrons. So look out for that as well. And the whole schedule is up at postwrestling.com. So, Way, thank you as always uh, for braving this particular edition of Raw with me. That is it. We're now moving on. And then we get into all the worst on Tuesday night.